The New York Times declares war on conservative YouTubers, part two. Mr. Reagan. So um, the first video, I, I was recording the video, it went really long, so I decided to cut this into two videos, and this is the second video. So without further ado, um, this is the rest of the article. YouTube's recommendation system is not set in stone. The company makes small changes every year and has already introduced a version of its algorithm that switched uh, on after major news events uh, to promote videos from quote-unquote authoritative sources over conspiracy theories and partisan content. This past week, the company announced that it would expand that approach so that when a person had watched a series of conspiracy theory videos, it would be nudged toward videos from more authoritative news sources. As I said before, I understand the thinking behind this, get people out of their ideological bubble. But as it is currently implemented, it's awful. Yesterday, I was watching a video by Laura Taller, who is a right-wing UK YouTuber. She makes some great points, has some very well-researched and well-considered perspectives, and I highly recommend her, Laura Taller. I, I'll have a link in the description. After the Laura Taller video I was watching ended, the autoplay function on YouTube turned me to this video. If there's one generalization you can make about religion and wealth, it's that the less people believe, the richer they stand a chance of being. Incidentally, to explain the anomaly of the United States, religion seems not to slow down economic growth here because it's a particular sort of religion, an overwhelmingly Protestant and exceptionally materialistic kind. The American God doesn't want you to think of building the new Jerusalem in the next world. He wants it here and now in Kansas or Houston. Now, this extremely left-wing, atheist countries are better video is 180 degrees from the video I had chosen to watch before. Ah, the algorithm says, this guy watched a far-right video. We should play him a counter-argument video next in order to give him a broader perspective. But I don't need a broader perspective. In fact, I watch left-wing propaganda for a living. Now, in the mind of the YouTube team that's programming these sorts of things, this anti-religion video is the kind of thing that is neutral. It's not crazy left, right? They don't think it's crazy left. And this video being neutral, these kinds of moderate arguments should be forced into my brain whether I want to watch them or not. That is not cool, YouTube. Not cool. Getting force-fed, quote-unquote, moderate content by YouTube is only one problem. The real problem is that YouTube sees a far-left video like this as moderate, right? The, the video has been designed as instructional, like a science video explaining physics or something. It presents ideas as if these ideas are factual, but both the explanations about why religious countries are poor and why the U.S. is rich, both of these explanations are completely irrational. You know, they're, they're basically saying that religion makes people not care about happiness in this world, but rather encourages people to focus on their future happiness in the afterlife. And so religious people never work toward happiness on earth, except in the U.S., the richest country in the world. The U.S. is rich despite being religious because their religion, so the video says, Protestantism, doesn't focus on the heavenly reward. Yes, it does. First of all, the U.S. is made up of a huge variety of Christian denominations. And secondly, Protestantism, just like any other Christian denomination, emphasizes morality over materialism, heaven over earth, God's will over worldly temptation. Furthermore, emphasizing the value of morality over materialism does not disincline people from trying to be happy here on earth. Other than monks, every other person on the planet attempts to be happy. To imagine anything else about religion is just delusional. 
So the, the, the guy who put together this video is just saying things to reinforce a point that he wants to make with zero regard for the truth. This is a very left-wing video, but it is presented in the style of a moderate or neutral video. This is what Pete Buttigieg does. He's a radical communist, but he presents himself in the style of a moderate. And this is a very clever trick because now the radicals can get behind him for the substance and the moderates can get behind him for the style because radicals want radical substance and moderates, let's be honest, want a moderate style. Okay, well, I'm digressing considerably from the point of my video, but essentially, YouTube has fed me a very left-wing video that employs the style of a moderate or neutral video, and YouTube has bought into this trick because guess what? Everybody at YouTube is a leftist. They cannot objectively identify what is moderate or sensible and what is biased and bullshit because they are themselves biased. And this is the fundamental problem that you get with political censorship. YouTube, you are not a neutral arbiter. You are categorizing everything incorrectly. Just let people watch the videos that they want to watch. It also said that a January change to its algorithm to reduce the spread of so-called borderline videos had resulted in significantly less traffic to those videos. And this is where I and other creators get screwed. If I, if I even mention this name, this video will be demonetized. And even worse, they will constrict the distribution of the video. I spent two weeks researching my George S video to make absolutely sure that everything in it was 100% accurate. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how rigorous or accurate your reporting is. If you use a name like George S in your video, you will be categorized as quote unquote borderline and you will be punished. In interviews, YouTube officials denied that the recommendation algorithm steered users to more extreme content. The company's internal testing, they said, has found just the opposite, that users who watch one extreme video are on average recommended videos that reflect more moderate viewpoints, leftist viewpoints. The officials declined to share this data or give any specific examples of users who were shown more moderate videos after watching more extreme videos. Well, actually, I just gave a real-life example, so there you go, YouTube. You can show people this video. The official stressed, however, that YouTube realized it had a responsibility to combat misinformation and extreme content. While we've made good progress, our work here is not done, and we will continue to make more improvements this year, a YouTube spokesperson, Farshad Shadlu, said in a statement. By the night of November 8th, 2016, Mr. Kane's transformation was complete. He had become a butterfly. He spent much of his night watching clips of Miss Clinton's supporters crying after the election was called in Mr. Trump's favor. His YouTube viewing history shows that at 1.41 a.m., just before bed, he turned on a live stream hosted by Mr. Crowder with the title, Trump wins, exclamation mark. Unbelievable. This is, look at this far-right extremist material that he's watching. Caleb says, it felt like a punk rock moment, almost like being in high school again. <laughs> that year, Caleb Kane's YouTube consumption had skyrocketed. He, had, he got a job packing boxes at a furniture warehouse where he could listen to podcasts and watch videos by his favorite YouTube creators all day long. He fell asleep to YouTube videos at night, his phone propped up on a pillow. In all, he watched nearly 4,000 videos on YouTube in 2016, more than double the number he had watched the previous year. Not all of these videos were political, but the bulk of his media diet came from far-right channels. And after the election, he began exploring a part of YouTube with a darker, more radical group of creators. These people didn't couch their racist or anti-Semitic views in sarcastic memes, and they didn't speak in dog whistles. One channel run by Jared Taylor, the editor of the white nationalist magazine American Renaissance, posted videos with titles like, quote, 
refugee invasion is European suicide, close quote. Others posted clips of interviews with white supremacists like Richard Spencer and David Duke. Okay, now this is where we get into the real stuff right here. This is the stuff that was supposed to have radicalized this kid, Caleb Kane. So I watched this video. The video referenced here, Jared Taylor's refugee invasion is European suicide. You can still find it on YouTube. And it was not like some kind of evil racist propaganda as is described here by Kevin Roos. It was a factually accurate account of the migration problem in Europe. Jared Taylor uses some extreme rhetoric saying at the end of the video that the immigration situation is so dire that Europeans need to, quote, wake up or die, <laughs> uh, which may maybe overstates the problem, but he's trying to provoke alarm, obviously. But, you know, nothing he said was really wrong in the video, and he certainly wasn't calling for violence or anything. He wasn't even really being disrespectful toward anyone that he was speaking about. He spent a good part of the video talking about how tragic it was that so many Africans were dying trying to cross into Europe. This video was certainly not radical and would not have radicalized anyone. Jared Taylor calls himself a race realist and an advocate for white interests. Other people call him a white supremacist, although he's not anti-Semitic, which makes him unusual amongst white supremacists. Jared Taylor rejects both the terms white supremacist and racist. Now, I'm not sure what to think of Jared Taylor. It's easy to slap the racist label on anyone who says anything racially provocative ever, but everything I've seen him say makes sense. But I haven't watched that many things of his, so... I don't know. I also watched some stuff with Richard Spencer. Now, Richard Spencer is the real alt-right guy. He's the guy that coined the term alt-right. So if you want to know who is alt-right, watch some Richard Spencer stuff. Richard Spencer also says some smart things, and he says some provocative things. But the stuff that I really disagree with is this idea that white people need their own ethnostate. He seems to think that we need to have some kind of land just for white people and that we have to exclude everybody else. And I don't really think that's necessary or even slightly reasonable. The problem with guys like this is that all their facts are right. I mean, I couldn't find anything wrong with Jared Taylor's facts or Richard Spencer's facts. Their facts are are on point, but their solutions don't seem to make sense. The creation of an ethnostate doesn't make any sense. I, I actually agree with them that Europe would be smart to try to preserve the cultures there. I mean, I love visiting Europe. I love to enjoy European cultures, and I think losing them would be a complete tragedy. But to go so far as to exclude various other ethnicities completely, as in an ethnostate, that doesn't make any sense to me. There are just too many amazing, brilliant, valuable people who are not white. And, you know, this is the dividing line, I think, between a sensible conservative trying to improve the world by preserving traditional values and culture and a white nationalist who wants to exclude people from white society because of race. In order to preserve traditional values and culture, we don't need to exclude anyone. I, I, would, be much, I would much rather be friends with a good black man than a bad white man, but, but I don't want a million black men taking over a Swiss village and completely obliterating the culture. I mean, no matter how awesome those guys are, they've still destroyed somebody else's culture. And maybe that's the issue with the left. The left, I think, is fine seeing white cultures obliterated. And honestly, I think that I would agree with them if, if I genuinely thought that white people were the cause of all the problems in the world. And I think that's what many of them do think. I think that there is a rather large contingent of leftists, white Americans and Europeans, who genuinely think that white people are the big problem in the world. And maybe it would be better if all the quote-unquote good people, the non-whites, went ahead and just obliterated all of white cultural history. And because of these leftist ideas, you're seeing a backlash. You get these people like Jared Taylor, who appear to have a deep fondness for white culture. 
And, you know, he doesn't want to see cultures destroyed. And, and people like him come out and they start fighting for the preservation of what they love. And I don't really think that's a terrible thing. And you'll get people like Richard Spencer who want an ethnostate, which seems to me to be way out of the white mainstream, um, which is certainly an attractive solution for somebody desperate to preserve the sovereignty of his own culture. And I'm not going to fight alongside this guy for the white ethnostate, but I certainly don't think that the idea is a dangerous one. I just think that it's a bad one. Look, I, I don't know about everything that this kid Caleb Kane watched. I'm sure some of it was far more nefarious. I've read some stuff about the Jews controlling everything and stuff like that. But the truth is, none of the stuff that I read or watched seemed actually dangerous. Now, look, I was not comfortable seeking out and watching videos that would be broadly described as white nationalist propaganda. But in doing so, I, I, you know, I'm actually shocked at how benign they seem to be. I'm sure there's a lot of darker stuff that I haven't found, but... This is the stuff that the author of this article is pointing to as the dangerous, radicalizing material of the evil white supremacists. And I just don't see what's so terrifying. I suppose if there's a danger, it's that these guys aren't psychos. All the stuff that they're talking about is factual, and a lot of their concerns are legitimate. And look, there are definitely racist psychos who may be inspired to act out violently based on the facts that these guys are disseminating. But that's not really their fault. It's the fault of the left, if you unjustly demonize white people for decades, tell them that they're the cause of all the problems in the world. Tell them that their life is awesome compared to all the other races, that they, that they have this white privilege. Look, some of those white people can see clearly that literally none of what you're telling them is true or makes sense. And on top of everything, then you tell them that if they complain about any of this or disagree or even talk about it, then, then like you're a horrible racist. Well, then, yeah, you're going to piss some people off. And if you create laws and social pressures against these people and encourage various other people from around the world to obliterate their culture, yeah, you're going to get some people who fight against this. And some of them are going to fight back violently. And I am excusing none of this. I think that violent racism cannot be justified. But I want to be clear. The right did not create this. The left did. You created the monster leftists. The crazy, violent, murderous racists... You created them. The blood that they shed is on your hands. Caleb Kane never bought into the far right's most extreme views, like Holocaust denial or the need for a white ethnostate. Uh, still, far-right ideology bled into his daily life. He began referring to himself as a tradcon, a traditional conservative, committed to old-fashioned gender norms. He dated an evangelical Christian woman, and he fought with his liberal friends. It was kind of sad, said Zelda Waite, a friend of Mr. Kane's from high school. I was just like, wow, what happened? How did you get this way? Yes, how terrible. He dated a Christian girl. How awful. He became a traditional conservative. I don't even... This poor kid it, he definitely became an... Ex he was definitely radicalized, for sure. Some of Mr. Kane's favorite YouTube creators were shifting their politics, too. Mr. Molyneux, in particular, seemed to be veering further to the right. He fixated on race realism, a favorite topic of white nationalists, and went on an Infowar show to discuss his opposition to multiculturalism with Mr. Jones. He hosted far-right figures on his channel, including Mr. Taylor of American Renaissance and Brittany Pettibone, a self-described American nationalist who pushed the Pizzagate conspiracy theory. And I didn't really delve into any of this stuff. But I would like to say that there is this kind of idea that because a lot of these white nationalists will use facts that are also recognized to be true by like lots of people, including conservatives, that... 
everything that conservatives say is also like white nationalist propaganda. But this is a this is this is a what what they would call like a logical fallacy, right? You're saying because I say some of the same things that that guy says that I believe all of the same things that that guy believes, which is like, no, the most important part of that guy's belief system, right, that white people are superior or need to have an ethnostate or all that kind of crap, that's stuff that the conservatives don't believe. Like, that's the important stuff, right? So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure most leftists believe two and two is four, and I think probably most white supremacists think that two and two is four. That doesn't make all leftists white supremacists. I mean, it's... The thinking is completely mental. Yeah, we're all going to agree on a lot of things. It doesn't make us all have the same extreme views. Moving on. As Mr. Molyneux promoted white nationalists, (laughs) his YouTube channel kept growing. He now has more than 900,000 subscribers, and his videos have been watched nearly 300 million times. Last year, he and Miss Southern, Mr. Kane's Fashi Bay went on a joint speaking tour in Australia and New Zealand where they criticized Islam and discussed what they saw as the dangers of non-white immigration. Wow. Kevin is really trying hard here to characterize Stefan Molyneux as a white supremacist. How dare he criticize Islam or express any concerns about immigration? Racist? In March, after a white nationalist gunman killed 50 Muslims in a in a pair of mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, Mr. Molyneux and Miss Southern distanced themselves from the violence, calling the killer a left-wing eco-terrorist and saying that linking the shooting to far-right speech was utter insanity. Now, this I did look into. I actually went ahead and read the New Zealand shooter's manifesto. I also scrolled through a list of the people that he had killed. There were pictures of most of them from back when they were alive and very happy, And they all seemed like lovely people. This was actually the most difficult part of the research that I had to do for this video. It was an extremely ugly thing to read and to think about. I think that when something like this happens, people's immediate reaction is to look for people to blame. This manifesto gave me a great insight into the mind of the truly radicalized, the truly racist, evil, and sick. And I can tell you, some people just want to kill people. And that is awful, but it's true. And the really horrifying thing is that the manifesto was not the ramblings of a lunatic. For the most part, this guy seemed pretty sharp. He was horrified by Islamic attacks on Europeans, as everyone should be, but he used this as an excuse to kill. But this guy was not right-wing. He was his own crazy thing. He was definitely, he definitely was an eco-terrorist. Stefan Molyneux and Lauren Southern were right about that. The guy says in his manifesto that reducing the population will help save the planet. And look, this guy may have killed no matter what. At some point in his life, he may have just found some excuse or another to kill people. I think that's actually very likely. But but he might not have. He might have been frustrated but not convinced that killing people was an acceptable solution. In his manifesto, he was obsessed with the idea that the white birth rate was lower than other races, so other races would end up dominating the planet and white people would be subjugated or bred out or something like that. And race and racism and the the constant accusations that white people are historically evil and need to repent for their sins of the past, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am absolutely convinced that it is this tendency of the media and leftist society that drives people toward this radical ideology. So again, I say... This is your fault, leftists. You created this monster. And I place all the blame for the murders of those people on the shoulders of the monster himself. But I place all the blame for the creation of that monster on the left. 
Neither Mr. Molyneux nor Miss Southern replied for a request for comment. The day after my request, Mr. Molyneux uploaded a video entitled An Open Letter to Corporate Reporters, in which he denied promoting hate or violence and said labeling him as an extremist was, quote, just a way of slandering ideas without having to engage with the content of those ideas, end quote. I agree. As social media platforms have barred far-right activists for hate speech harassment and other harmful conduct, Mr. Molyneux and Ms. Southern have become vocal free speech advocates who denounce what they call excessive censorship by social media companies. This is, they, they are creating a false correlation. That This writer is creating a false correlation. He's saying that social media platforms have barred hate speech harassment and harmful conduct, and therefore Molyneux and Southern have denounced excessive censorship. But that... No, they're not denouncing excessive censorship because these platforms are banning hate speech, harassment, and harmful conduct. They're denouncing excessive censorship because they're, they're censoring things that aren't hate speech, harassment, and harmful conduct. I mean, hate speech, I, I don't even think hate speech is really a thing, right? It's not a thing. It's just this, like, whatever. Anyway, free speech is important. You can label something as hate speech or harassment or harmful conduct. You can label things this way that aren't harmful at all in order to just censor them, right? I mean, it's, it's an old trick. I mean, I think they did this in Nazi Germany. They did this in communist Russia. I mean, you can call anything dangerous speech and censor it. That's, that's what they're contradicting. That's what they have a problem with. That's what I have a problem with. That's what everybody on the right has a problem with. If you ban or crush people's lawful speech, it's like a rattlesnake, Mr. Mullen, you said in a video. You cut off the rattle, but you don't cut off the head. <laughs> like, I like how they try to quote Stefan Molyneux. That not, not some kind of like nice analogy, but like a violent analogy to make him seem more violent. In 2018, nearly four years after Mr. Kane had begun watching right-wing YouTubers, a new kind of video began appearing in his recommendations. These video were made by left-wing creators. Now notice that they don't say far-left or alt-left or radical-left. They just say left-wing creators. But they mimic the aesthetics of right-wing YouTube, down to the combative titles and the mocking use of words like triggered and snowflake. One video was a debate about immigration between Miss Southern and Mr. Bonnell, a liberal YouTuber known as Destiny. Mr. Kane watched the video to cheer on Miss Southern, but Mr. Bonnell was a better debater, and Mr. Kane reluctantly declared him the winner. In doing this research, I actually watched the entire two-hour debate, and I have to say, I don't think Bonnell won that debate. I, that, I then contacted him myself, and we had our own debate, but that took an unexpected turn toward education reform, a subject about which Stephen really didn't know anything. And I have to say, I think the whole thing ended up being really boring. We didn't establish any preliminary statement about which to debate, so it was more of a meandering conversation, which I think was probably a mistake. On the Destiny Reddit, I am now being called a racist, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> During the debate, I said that because people in America know about affirmative action, they may be less likely to go to a black doctor, knowing that the black applicants to universities and to hospitals are held to a different standard, held to a lower standard than white applicants or Asian applicants. And nobody wants to go to not the best doctor, which I said was a problem, it's especially a problem for extremely good black doctors, you know, who are then perceived as inferior because they are in a group that is held to a lower standard. But they're not inferior. They're fantastic. But because of affirmative action, they are perceived to be inferior. And uh, this was essentially a criticism of affirmative action. 
but somebody clipped out the bit of me saying that it makes sense that people wouldn't want to go to a black doctor, and then they just said, look, this guy's a racist, <laughs> which is an absolutely brilliant illustration of how the left disingenuously distorts what we're saying on the right because they don't want to actually contend with the actual substance of our arguments. Mr. Kane also found videos by Natalie Wynne, a former academic philosopher who goes by the name ContraPoints. Ms. Wynne wore elaborate costumes and did drag style performances in which she explained why Western culture wasn't under attack from immigrants and why race was not a social construct. ContraPoints does not do drag style performances. He does drag performances. It's a dude that dresses like a woman. And the concept of race being a race is a social construct, gender is a social construct. No, those are real things, okay? Honestly, the whole social construct thing, the most idiotic leftist fantasy of all time. Unlike most progressives that Mr. Kane had seen taken on the right, Mr. Bonnell and Ms. Wynne were funny and engaging. ContraPoints is funny and engaging. Mr. Bonnell is not. They spoke the native language of YouTube. I don't speak the native language of YouTube. And they didn't get outraged by far-right ideas. Instead, they rolled their eyes at them and they made right-wing ideas seem shallow and unsophisticated. Right. I noticed that right-wing people were taking these old-fashioned knee-jerk reactionary politics and packaging them as edgy punk rock, Ms. Wynn told me. One of my goals was to take the excitement out of it. When Mr. Kane first saw these videos, he dismissed them as left-wing propaganda, but he watched more and he started to wonder if people like Ms. Wynn had a point. A contra point? Her videos persuasively used research and citations to rebut the right-wing talking points that he had absorbed. I just kept watching more and more of that content, sympathizing and empathizing with her, and also seeing that, wow, she really knows what she's talking about, Mr. Kane said. He uses big words and sounds a lot more sophisticated than... ContraPoints points don't make sense. And, and look, no, ContraPoints... To, to Caleb, ContraPoints really just seemed like the next cool kid to line up behind. Caleb Kane is a follower of whomever he thinks is the coolest person around at any given time. And ContraPoints, I mean, I could see how somebody like Caleb would think that ContraPoints is cool. Ms. Wynn and Mr. Bonnell are part of a new group of YouTubers who are trying to build a counter, counterweight to YouTube's far right flank. This group calls itself BreadTube, a reference to the left-wing anarchist Peter Krop... Krop... Kropotkin's uh, 1892 book, The Conquest of Bread. Never heard of it, never heard of him. It also includes people like Oliver Thorne, a British philosopher who hosts the channel Philosophy Tube, where he posts videos about topics like transphobia, racism, and Marxist economics. And you know what? I love that these guys have the liberty to express these idiotic ideas. And they have that liberty because we live in America. And in America, we relish beautiful debates, a diversity of perspectives, and the best ideas should win. So their presence, the presence of these leftists, as annoying as they are, their presence is brilliant because it is an expression of the liberties that we all enjoy. So I'm glad that you guys have your YouTube channels and can say whatever you want. The core of BreadTube's strategy is a kind of algorithmic hijacking. By talking about many of the same topics that far-right creators do, and in some cases by responding directly to their videos, left-wing YouTubers are able to get their videos recommended to the same audience. <laughs> algorithmic hijacking. Why does this guy Kevin always make YouTubers seem so mathematical and planned, like, like we're some kind of like coding geniuses? Look, we're all just making reaction videos, Kevin, it's not that sophisticated. Natalie and Destiny made a bridge over to my side, Mr. Kane said, and it was interesting and compelling enough 
that I walked across it. BreadTube is still small. Ms. Wynn, the most prominent figure in the movement, has 615,000 subscribers, way more than me, a small fraction of the audience drawn by the largest right-wing creators. <laughs> yeah, but what about, like, the Young Turks? They've got an insane number of subscribers. And then you've got, like, BuzzFeed and, and uh, I don't know, Vice and Vox. And you've got all these... What is he talking... Is he just, like... Does he not realize how many, like, extremely powerful left-wing entities, like, propaganda machines that there are on YouTube? <laughs> He's acting like, you know, there's this huge wave of right-wing radicalization propaganda and it's you know it's just like steamrolling over everything and there's oh there's these little like you know it's like this david goliath story and these little davids are fighting back no 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 no. we're david all right the left wing you guys are goliath i mean come on be real this is ridiculous unfortunately the alt-right got a big head start on finding ways to appeal to white men said american johnson a youtuber who runs a left-wing channel called non-compete no, you guys just hate white men. What are you talking about? We're late to the party, but I think we're building a narrative that will stand strong against the alt-right narrative. Okay, first of all, you're trying to build a narrative that will stand strong against all conservatives, and you're not going to win because you are all racist, sexist, and you pretty much hate everybody who's not intersectional and crazy. After the New Zealand shooting, Mr. Kane decided to help. He recently started his own channel, YouTube channel, Faraday Speaks, an homage to the 19th century scientist Michael Faraday, where he talks about politics and current events from a left-wing perspective. He wants to show young men a way out of the far right before more white nationalist violence ensues. This guy's channel will not be successful. He's, he's kind of like the quintessential beta male. He's pretty much what every Jordan Peterson fan is trying desperately not to be. You have to reach people at their level, and part of that is edgy humor, edgy memes, he said. You have to empathize with them. And you have to give them the space to get all those ideas out of their head. <laughs> Shortly after his first video was uploaded, Mr. Kane began receiving threats from, the alt- from alt-right trolls on 4chan. One called him a traitor and made a reference to hanging him. And that was when he bought the gun. Not an overreaction at all. Several weeks ago, he moved out of West Virginia and he's working a new job while he develops his YouTube channel. What is most surprising about Mr. Kane's new life on the surface is how similar it feels to the old one. He still watches dozens of YouTube videos every day and hangs on the words of his favorite creators. It is still difficult, at times, to tell where the YouTube algorithm stops and Caleb's personality begins. Yeah, because he's got an obsessive type personality. Have you seen him? But not only was it pragmatic, but it appealed to the romantic inside of me. It appealed to my desire to want to be strong and powerful, to have my own identity, and to make my own way in life, and to not live like I had lived forever, following other people, as ironic as that is, and being controlled you know, by my family, by my society, whatever. And so to have that sense of stability and belonging, I did the most paradoxical thing you can. I gave myself up to others. And I became the follower. Perhaps this shouldn't be a surprise. Our political culture is now built largely on shape-shifting, shape-shifting internet platforms, which have made flipping partisan allegiances as easy as changing hairstyles. It's possible that vulnerable young men like Mr. Kane will drift away from radical groups as they grow and find stability elsewhere. It's also possible that this kind of whiplash polarization is here to stay as political factions gain and lose traction online. 
Near the end of our interview, I told Mr. Kane that I found it odd that he had successfully climbed out of a, a right-wing YouTube rabbit hole only to jump into a left-wing YouTube rabbit hole. And you know what? He At least he kind of admits here that Caleb Kane is on like a pendulum swing drawn, drawn, drawn to like the extremes of politics. This writer, Kevin, does make the point rather tepidly, but I will give him credit for mentioning this. I asked if he had considered cutting back on his video intake altogether and rebuilding some of his offline relationships. Not sure he had a lot of those to begin with, but all right. He hesitated and looked slightly confused. For all of its problems, he said, YouTube is still where political battles are fought and won. Leaving the platform would essentially mean abandoning the debate. He conceded, though, that he needed to think critically about the videos he watched. YouTube is the place to put out a message, he said, but I've learned now that you can't go to YouTube and think that you're getting some kind of education, because you're not. And that is the end of the article. Caleb Kane may not think that you're getting an education on YouTube, but researching this video was a real education for me. I've now been introduced to ContraPoints, and I plan on doing a reaction to one of his videos. I debated Destiny, although maybe a little too politely. I have now watched a few white nationalist videos, which were far more benign than I ever would have imagined, and I read a mass murderer's manifesto, which was a truly chilling experience. But as chilling as it was, it was also extremely enlightening. Sure, Caleb hates conservatives right now, and he thinks that ContraPoints is awesome. And Caleb is scared because the New Zealand shooter held some of the same views on race that he did. But now he holds ContraPoints' views. Now he holds the views of a Marxist. Just wait until he finds out what Stalin did, or Mao, or Pol Pot. I hate to tell you, Caleb, but you just jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire. You know, one thing that's interesting to me is that um, this the one quote-unquote extreme video that was referenced in this article is still up on YouTube. Even the crazy, crazy leftists at YouTube haven't taken that down. And the truth is, you know, just because it's a video by Jared Taylor, a guy who's broadly labeled as a white supremacist, maybe unjustly, maybe justly, I don't know, but just because it was a video by that guy, that doesn't mean the content was evil or wrong. This may sound, you know, shocking, but... Even a white supremacist might say something valuable now and again. And the truth is, maybe a black supremacist might say something valuable now and again, too. At least leave the extreme people on YouTube so that if for no other reason, we can see how truly nutty some people are. But perhaps the fear that the left has is that Richard Spencer just doesn't seem that nutty. I'm not a libertarian. Uh, I think a lot of libertarian energies in the United States were masked conservatism. So many people who claim to be a libertarian simply wanted to get the welfare state off their back, uh, thought that the welfare state was pro-black or, or, or anti-traditional values, and maybe they were right about that. And so they were anti-government more than they were truly libertarian. And they, their idea was that we would get rid of the state and then these communities were, would flourish. And although Richard Spencer doesn't seem that nutty, this guy definitely does. Break, y'all. It's been crazy. I had a birthday. I'm 25 now. Back in the face. My ex is now dating a big ass, old ass, ugly ass, cave beast, Urugu, Neanderthal Tom, totally complexion individual. So if y'all thought that I hated white people before, <laughs> all white people are racist. Each and every one of them. How do you get that, girl? How don't you get that, girl? Why don't you connect the dots? Connect the dots? 
One, two, three, four, five, six. It makes a horse. You remember those little drawings we used to make with the dots? Amazing. I miss being a child. <laughs> I love this guy so much. Please don't remove him, YouTube. Okay, so I actually want to do a video because this guy says he's getting removed from YouTube. I don't know if that's true, but I don't want him gone. I want, I want to like petition for him to stay on here because, yeah, he's got crazy views, but he's so funny and he's great. He's great content. I mean, he's great for you to look at and say, okay, people actually think this crazy stuff. Like, I think it's valuable to have crazy people on YouTube so you can see how crazy people are. All right, look, I, I don't know exactly what we need to protect society from. But with regard to political discourse, I think that we need to set the bar extremely high in terms of what we're willing to censor. The broad sweeping censorship of YouTube algorithms have so far caused a lot of collateral damage. Collateral damage is, you know, like when you bomb a terrorist base and there's a few kids outside playing soccer and they get killed too. It's considered to be one of the worst problems with war. Well, in YouTube's war against racism, there is a lot of collateral damage, way too much. And it doesn't just hurt creators, it hurts everyone, because if the viewer isn't recommended a valuable video because YouTube has flagged this video as borderline, but it's not really borderline, you know, the video is fine, then the viewer misses out on that content. Look, we need to hear as many good ideas as we can, even if some of them seem crazy. And you know what? I think it's good to know what everyone is thinking from every corner of politics. Well, that's it for me. If you like this video, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, you're probably a white supremacist. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> good night. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution. Peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems, but perhaps there is a simple answer. That we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right.